Sam Ackerman is with us now. Good morning, Sam. A very good morning, Catherine. Gosh, it's a bit like the Rugby World Cup. It just seems to go on and on and on and on, this Cricket World Cup. There's been some great high-scoring matches, but we're not even at the semis. No, we're, we're, it's the waiting game now. Um, we're just a couple of uh, games away from of having definitive answers. But look, the, the fact of the matter is New Zealand's in the semifinals barring some kind of ridiculous result here. And you're right, it, it has dragged. Um, and I think it was flying along when we were four, uh, four wins and uh, zero losses. But when we suddenly dropped four games in a row, it, I get the feeling that might have something to do with the drag, Catherine, is that we suddenly we've... Feeling well, like we're watching we just, we, things we, slowly we, start to eke. Are we there yet? They've been great losses of this such a thing. I mean, the match against Australia was sensational to ch- nearly chase down 388. And then they set Pakistan 400. Uh, and, you know, they, they lose on Duckworth-Lewis, may well have lost anyway. They're, they're not boring matches. No, I completely agree. Uh, the, there was the, the loss to India, which is half of the course for every team in this competition to lose to India. They are unbeaten. And then a shellacking at the hands of South Africa was a, a very disappointing loss in performance. But aside from that, it's just been luck going against them in some ways. But, uh, you know, you make your own luck in cricket and New Zealand uh, could have bowled better against uh, against Pakistan. Absolutely could have. Uh, and they certainly could have taken uh, more catches uh, when it came to the uh, the game against the Aussies as well. So there's... It, they've been entertaining uh, and we talked about high scoring games it wasn't one of those last night uh, against Sri Lanka a very poor uh, effort from the Sri Lankans as we've unfortunately seen them uh, produce at this World Cup so they needed to get the win there was threats of the rain coming and washing it out and really making this a difficult assignment but uh, thankfully stayed away long enough to uh, be able to wipe the floor with the uh, with the Sri Lankan batting lineup, uh, 171 is uh, after 46 overs is is shockingly poor. Trent Bolt finally found a bit of form, which is an exceptional sight to see for uh, New Zealand heading into the semi-finals. Uh, and uh, everyone kind of pretty much contributed with the bat, made sure they scored a good clip uh, because the importance of that for those not uh, following along at home and net run rates may sound very train spotter, and it is. But unfortunately, net run rates could also be uh, what we need to know, know to advance. So. Pakistan can knock New Zealand out if they beat England by 287 runs. Now, not impossible in the way that England has been playing. But if England win the toss and bat first, Pakistan can't make it. They can't make up that run rate through it. It's a fascinating phenomenon. So uh, we should be cheering on that toss and England to make the right play there because, let's face it, they owe us uh, from four years ago. So uh, this is their chance to make things right. Afghanistan can still technically qualify, but they'd need to beat South Africa by 438 runs, which would be the greatest upset in the history of sport of any variety since the very first uh, Olympics were played. So uh, I'm not going to put any money on that. So New Zealand have one hand in, a foot in as well, if you like, whatever, uh, but they'll likely be facing India in the semifinals. And Catherine, no one wants to play India because they're unbeaten. They're, they're thrash at home anybody, they're aren't they? They're an incredible form, aren't they? Uh, absolutely. I would 100% rather have them in a semifinal than a final if you intend to beat them, right? Because if you're not in semifinal, you get a better chance of making the final. I don't think anyone can beat India in the final at home. We're going to be playing in front of 150,000 people and their wind to be up. But New Zealand sneaking in like this, India might be looking ahead to that final somewhat. It's all I can hang my hat on uh, is that they may be think, thinking ahead because that is where they are expected to be. They'll be hearing plenty of that. Virat Kohli is no surprise their captain is their talisman. If you can put pressure on him, if you can remove him under, what, 30, 
40 under anywhere under there you can put real pressure on that indian side so uh it is a the tallest of all orders rank outsiders all that jazz but they're coming right the black caps at a time when they need to uh and we've got some big game players uh and i i can't wait to see russian ravinder on that stage as well to see his maturity has been unbelievable his development incredible uh, imagine going up against india and india uh in the semi-final be phenomenal now what about the glenn maxwell innings then uh, freakish absolutely freakish now credit where it's due because we do not like to give uh, australian cricketers too much credit and this guy is certainly uh polarizing he's not he's not even that popular in australia prior to this 200 uh but he had uh 201 to save their blushes pulled them out from uh from a surefire defeat against afghanistan and it's been described as the best one day innings of all time now i think there's some fair points to that i I differ. I don't think it is the best one day innings of all time because I think that the stakes weren't particularly high. If they lost to Afghanistan, you know, he, he, he had a uh, throw the throw the bat at the ball and we'll see what happens. It doesn't matter. We've got nothing to lose. Whereas bigger stakes games, you can't afford to throw your wicket away or you need to make the right calls. And I think of Martin Guptill blazing it against the West Indies. I think of Adam Gilchrist. Uh, was it 2007 in the, the World Cup final? His 149 was amazing on that occasion. So it, it is still pretty amazing though if anyone who watched it won't forget it you will never forget that innings he was cramping up the aussies are comparing it to the to the famous dean jones innings uh, in test match cricket where he was literally pulling off to the side of the wickets to uh, have a spew every now and then and couldn't run it, it was pretty phenomenal and this guy if, if you're not aware of glenn maxwell he's a very colorful character as i mentioned polarizing he's got the nickname the big show he gave himself that nickname, Catherine. He named himself the Big Show uh, to be uh, what he wanted people to refer to him as, as his moniker. So pretty impressive. Uh, he wrecked the whole summer by breaking his leg in a backyard play fight. Uh, he's been kicked out of uh, grounds for vaping in places he's not allowed to be. And uh, playing in the Indian Premier League, uh, he... Uh, he got kicked out of a team hotel. Um, sorry, he ran out of a team hotel, snuck out to a party and tried to cycle back drunk before being uh, rescued from falling over into the very busy streets. So he's a busy he's, lad. And, but, but he, and just a few weeks ago, he was being um, decried in Australia for concussing himself for falling off the back of a golf cart. So, yeah, he's he's a character. Modern day Shane Warne in that regard. Uh, he brings the personality is unapologetically him. And right now, they absolutely love him in Australia. We should too, because that win over Afghanistan uh, really did help us out uh, in the comfort the only, states um, as well. The only hesitation I've got is, I think I've often referred to T20. It's not my, this is 50 over, I know. But I refer to T20 as not my favourite form of the game by a long shot, because it's it's just coming to resemble baseball. You know, it's yep. just literally hitting the ball out of the park. And yes, it's a fantastic spectacle to watch as is baseball, but it just increasingly, increasingly less and less resembles cricket. And now that's kind of happening in the 50 over game as well. You know, the shot selection, well, the dominance of the bat. Um, you don't get some of those, you seldom see a really amazing battle with the ball anymore. Or maybe that's just short term memory because this is obviously a batting world cup it, it's, it sure is and there is definitely uh t20 uh leeching through into this tournament but my issue with t20s is that no one remembers the results no you, like you will be hard pressed to find cricket purist who could tell you who won a t20 series between any t given team at any given time you'll struggle to find uh, general sports fans who can go back and tell you who won the last t20 world cups Right, so to me, it, it is uh, it's a great spectacle, and people really enjoy it. It brings a lot of eyes, but I think that um, it's the fifty-over game 
the results seem to still matter. Who wins this World Cup will be remembered far longer than uh, a T20 one. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you uh, for what it, uh, we prefer. The uh, I think you and I le- delve on, towards the purest so form without, without being too pedantic. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's yeah. I'm I'd like to see a, a a a return to tactics more than slogs. But you know, it's yep. it's entertaining. You can't it is, you cannot it is de- decry the entertainment value. Okay, Super Rugby. Big changes this week. I think uh, a, a lot happening actually with the, within the franchises. Obviously. Um, uh, the, the Crusaders are getting a, a new coach, but also are we looking at coaching announcements, player announcements, and movements just having come out, Sam? It was a busy day yesterday. If you were into rugby, and if you weren't, as easy one to skip too. So uh, all the super, all the Super Rugby franchises throughout Super Rugby Pacific named their um, squads on the same day. That New Zealand ones did stagger them somewhat, and there are a lot of new coaches. I mean, essentially, you're, you're looking at only the um, only the Chiefs having the same coach because everybody else has gone not be part of the all that coaching staff. So a lot a lot of change to the franchises and a lot of player talent as well, uh, leaving a lot of All Blacks obviously, but even those fringe All Blacks who went, you know, I'm not going to get picked for this World Cup. So therefore, I'm going to go sign an overseas deal, uh, and off they headed. So uh, fresh faces, no preconceptions from coaches at both Super Rugby and Test level. So it le- levels up that playing field as far as spots go. There's not that same level of loyalty between coaches uh, and players. So uh, you, I, I think we will see um, some fresh approaches to rugby with the squads being named. Really interesting for me though, because we mentioned Scott Robinson. He's obviously no longer the coach of the Crusaders. He's only been the All Black coach for 10 days now. He's been very, very busy. Cody Taylor, uh, the All Blacks hooker, was named in the Crusaders squad yesterday, but it was then announced after after the squad was announced that he's taking a non-playing sabbatical. So he'll miss almost all of at least a healthy chunk of the 2024 Super Rugby season with the intent of being fresh to play Test Rugby. And Bowden Barrett, who we know was going to Japan, is apparently now on the verge of signing a long-term deal for staying New Zealand rugby till 2027. That was a biggie, wasn't it? That Big, was a real biggie. That's massive. We, a lot of us presumed that you know Bowden Barrett was going to go to Japan and then just keep pushing on for those lucrative contracts that don't tax the body so well. No way did we think he was done playing, but we thought that yeah, it could be the end of his time in New Zealand because he can cash in in a big way. But that it strikes me that that loss has obviously lit a fire underneath him, in my opinion, in that World Cup. And I've got, I've got nothing to suggest that, but there's no way he signed a four-year contract without talking to Scott Robertson first to find out where he could fit into that. And my, my belief, my understanding, and a lot of people I've spoken to feel the same way, uh, is that that means that he really wants to have a crack at number 10. He was uh, a makeshift 15 for Test Rugby. He, he is, Rugby is mostly played at first five. I would love so to see that, that happen. I really would love to see that happen. I think this propensity for moving, uh, and he's not the first, brilliant, brilliant run, game, you know, break. What's the, what's the word I'm coming through? They see break, a gap yeah. and they shoot through it, right? That, that yep, kind of absolutely. first five. That, and the acceleration that guy has when he is in that situation, the acceleration from standing start, real playmakers, real game makers, and we just tend to move them back to first, uh, to fullback or out to the wing or whatever. I would love to see him back in that position. Now there is an opportunity for it. Well, the thing is, he was what counted against him is, is he had more versatile skills than Richie Moanga, who was, of course, gifted, but he was a first five, and you wouldn't really want to put him, you could put him at second five, sure, but that's not the midfield style that the All Blacks wanted to play. So to fit them both in, it meant that Bowden Barrett had to move. So keep in mind about these both these Taylors, uh, Taylor and Barrett have spoken about, they're 32 now, which means next World Cup, they'll be 36. 
which is a, a long age to be playing at for uh, for that level. So uh, this, to sign a long-term deal to 2027, that has to be World Cup related. It's, it's, it's not a coincidence that you sign through to the next World Cup. So intriguing, really intriguing. I can't wait to see how this pans out. So it turned out to be uh, a lot less uh, humdrum than um, all the sorry, all right. our Super Rugby squad namings can be. Good stuff. Uh, what shall we finish with... Let's finish actually with the rising star in football who's signed up with a, a English a Premier League club. Who's this, please? This is a really cool story. Uh, it's a name that uh, a lot of sports fans be familiar with, the Luluai name. Uh, and he comes from great stock, does young uh, Marley Luluai. His father, uh, Kylie Luluai, uh, played uh, NRL for a long time. He uh, represented Samoa internationally. Uh, and Kylie's uh, uncle is the great James Luluai from the say, Kiwis fame. And Tom, back another and generation. Thomas Luluai from yeah. the Kiwis and the Warriors as well. So a, a great name, uh, well established in, uh, in rugby league and um quite a talent pool to swim in as well, I should say. So young Marley uh, Luluai just turned 17 and his 17th birthday present to himself was signing a professional deal with English football Premier League club Burnley. Now 17 years old uh, and he has signed up until the uh, end of the UK summer in 2026. So he's joining the academy. He's not about to suddenly play uh, in the Premier League next year. It's an investment uh, they have in him. Now, uh, Kylie Luluai's father played a lot of time, a long time playing in Leeds uh, in the UK. So I imagine that a lot of his football education might have happened in that direction. So uh, it's great for him to um, to be able to turn that on uh, and find his own place. He's actually uh, currently in Indonesia uh, with the New Zealand team for the FIFA Under-17 World Cup. Uh, so it's, they've got their first game this Sunday against Venezuela. So a, a promising young talent. And you don't see a lot of, uh, of, of Pacific Islanders make their way into that realm. Uh, of football so it's wonderful um, an athlete of his skill he can pick and choose where he wanted and it's rare it is along these lines so uh, he is a name to look out for Marley Luluai uh, for Burnley and hopefully uh, a future success story for New Zealand football stoked for him have a great weekend Sam thank you Sam Ackerman with us from Tauranga